Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a 24 episode. We are up to the 20th episode of 24, season 2, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. We are getting right at the pointy end of this season. This episode first aired on the 22nd of April 2003, directed by James Whitmore Jr., written by Neil Cohen and. This is an episode of 24 that we're going to be talking about. Uh, my name is Ben, and let her rest. I'll go over it with Jenny. And my name is Colin, and do I look European to you? Yes. Um, better than there the closing line. There is some line. mixed in there. <laughs> better than the closing line I said last week, so that works well. Um, 24, season two, episode 20. Um, now, look. I don't don't know if we just want to get straight into this or do we want to talk about Ben Waterworth or Keith Sutherland in person since we last recorded because Colin's died. Let's talk about it now. It's 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 more it's more exciting (laughs) than this episode. So, (laughs) well, I mean, this is related to the episode. So, long term listeners of the show, hi Ian. Um, (laughs) We've been talking up the fact that um, I've got I'm in New York at the moment and. Looked up Kiva Sutherland's touring schedule because he sings, if people didn't know. That's that's the one thing that I found out this week when you say like, oh, Kiva Sutherland's performing, I'm going to see him. He sings. Um, so <laughs> everyone's surprised that dear old Kiva sings. Went and saw him uh, two days ago at the time of recording this and got to say, good, pretty good singer. I sent you a video of him. You, you said that yeah. you, you were pleasantly surprised. So you enjoyed that. I expected him to sing like the way he talks. Yeah. And no, he sounds like a real singer, which was impressive. He does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was telling Colin's story a little bit off air that, uh, you know, shows like Start at Eight, build as, you know, keep sizzling with like person A and person B. And it was kind of like, okay, well, person A and person B will perform for an hour or two. Keith will come out at 10, drunk or something on a Christmas tree. I don't know. Um, but no, Kiefer walked out dead at 8 o'clock with his cowboy hat on not a fedora but still walked out and just got into it and started singing the crowd loved it got involved and um it's kind of interesting when you go into these things and i'd watch like a clip or two of kiva singing but he does all his own songs and obviously because kiva southern music isn't exactly on the radio so like you know you don't generally know it so every single song he would sit there and tell the story about every single song and what is brilliant about Keith Sutherland is that he lives up to everything you ever want him to, which every single song is about him basically going to jail or, like, being drunk. Uh, so um, he – there was – I think it might have been the clip I sent you. He did a song about, um, it was like, going back to Saskatchewan, which I was very impressed that essentially the only song ever probably to mention Saskatchewan in it, um, and he fitted in. 
So he tells this story about performing that in Saskatchewan, and it, like the song's actually a very sad song because it's talking about um, going back to bury his mother. Everything about Saskatchewan is sad. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's not just a song. <laughs> but he would say like he would perform that in Saskatchewan. So as soon as he started singing, like I'm going back to Saskatchewan, everyone was like, "Woo, Saskatchewan!" Uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like he he sing the next line, it was like to bury my mom in the ground or something like that. And then everyone was like, oh. And like, he just did like every single lyric you would think everyone in Saskatchewan would have this like loud reaction. Um, somebody at one point yelled out, we love you, Jack Bauer. And it wasn't me. Um, to which Kim Southern like sort of laughs and he goes, I'm not Jack Bauer, but I'll pass it on. <laughs> he didn't actually mention 24 in any of his stories, but he mentioned designated survivor and that got a big cheer in the room. Uh, oh. So, how many songs were about touch? <laughs> not mentioned at all. Um, <laughs> there was there was one song he was basically talking about when he was filming Designated Survivor that it was the longest he'd spent back in Toronto since he'd like moved. So there was like an intersection uh, of Toronto, which he was like this. Like I wrote this song about this section of Toronto, which he mentioned it, and I know it was on like Young Street, and like there's a shopping center on Young Street. And, like, I've been to that shopping centre, but he, I don't know the intersection. Anyway, he's like, everything in my life, like, all my first happened there. Like, the first time I had a guitar, I was there. The first time I got into a fight was there. The first time I made out with a girl was there. And it's just, you know. Um, he started talking. First time I was arrested naked in public was there. Yeah. <laughs> first time I climbed a Christmas tree was there. Um, first time my he- nipples got burned off was there. <laughs> first time I had a taquito was right there. Um <laughs> And he, he was like about to sing like a love song, and he was like saying this story about when I was rec- when I was recording this song. Everyone was like, "Oh, and who's the girl? Who's the girl about this song?" And he's all like, "Oh, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you." And his daughter was obviously with him when he was recording this song. So then his daughter's like, "I know what you recorded this song about, Dad." And he's like, "What?" It's like it's about your favorite bar. Uh, so this love song was about his favorite bar uh, because why wouldn't it be? Um, there was a song basically where apparently like all those dastardly journalists would ask him about it. It was like a song, something about jail. And he's like, oh, all the reporters will ask me, like, you've been to jail? And he's like, yes. And it's like, this song's about being in jail and you wrote it. And he's like, yes. So it's like, oh, so is this all about your time in jail? And he'd be like, well, I wrote it. I went to jail. You put the pieces together. <laughs> so you listen to the lyrics of this song and it's, you know, like talking about being in jail. Then he goes like, when I stole my first car when I was 12. And it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Okay, um, and then, um, oh, what was it, another one? Oh, and he, start, he talked about his uh, professional rodeo riding career in the 90s uh, that he won, like, <laughs> plenty of uh, competitions and everyone was, like, cheering and he's like, oh, everyone's so impressed when I say that I was, like, a, you know, a, a competitive rodeo rider in the 90s, but then let's work that out. If you're a successful movie star in the 80s and then you go on to ride rodeo, then you're probably not doing too well. <laughs> But he just like he would just everything was about drinking uh, or going to jail. And but like he just like he just talked about it. He's just like, yeah, I've like made heaps of mistakes. Like I went to jail a lot of times. And he's like, but you know, like I, I've learnt now. <laughs> like like, Keeper, you're not on David Letterman right now. You don't have to like impress us. Um, so but it was it was it was actually really good. Um, but like and- the the off air thing you told me, this venue. Sounds like a place that Kiefer would not be caught dead, passed out in the alley behind. You know, like was, this does not sound like Kiefer's venue. Yeah, like because I thought it was just like a bar. Like I just with you know they just happened to have a, a an area where people perform, but 
No, you get to the door. It's quite a nice looking establishment on the outside. And this is sort of, you know, quite downtown Manhattan uh, in a pretty nice area of the city. And then you sort of you go to the door and there's like a guy in a suit who, again, you don't want to mess with this guy. He'd like sit on you and kill you. But like, he's just like, you know, who are you here to see? He's like, keep something there. Yeah, through the door to the left. Um, and then it's all, it was, it's probably the most, I want to say the calmest concert I've ever been to, mainly because it was, it was very acoustic set. So like, you know, it's just mm. keep with a guitar. Um, so everyone stays seated at their tables, drinking their wine and like eating their food. Um, cause you know, I've been to concerts like that before. I'm sure you have where people sit, but like halfway through you're up and you're dancing. Like, you know, it's kind of, that's how it works. But, um, no, it was, it was quite a poshish venue. It's kind of like, well, this isn't where you think Kiefer would perform. <laughs> Why, why is the doorman asking who are you here to see? Like, were there multiple acts performing on the other side of the room? And I, they're like, keep it down over there. <laughs> Kiefer's telling a story. <laughs> there, there, there must have been something else. I'm with, yeah, I don't know why they would ask you no, that. I'm but, with the, no, I'm with the bridal party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm actually here to see Maroon 5. Oh, they're in the small room <laughs> at the back. Um, but it was, it was like, um, so where this room was... It was like, there was like a balcony area. And again, everything was, it was quite intimate. So like, it was quite close. So even if you had been on the balcony, you were still quite close. But there was like a, a, to the right where I was sitting, like a big glass, like obviously there was another dining section. And then about five minutes before the show, they had this curtain, which they close off the glass. So obviously it's like these cheapos who were just there to eat dinner, can't sneakily watch Kiefer Sutherland through his glass. It's like, no, you're going to buy a ticket. Um, But yeah, I was disappointed they weren't selling Keeper merchandise because he does sell merchandise on his website. So I could have bought a city winery t-shirt, but no, (laughs) didn't want one. Um, That would would have stopped people on the street. You been there? (laughs) Wow. Um, So if he goes to Winnipeg or if you're listening to this and he goes to your city, I would recommend going to see Keeper Sutherland. Good. I I actually kind of want to get his album now. Like there's a couple of really good songs on there. So yeah. Yeah. Bacon Brothers or Kiefer, music-wise? Ooh. Um, look, Bacon Brothers is a bit more up-tempo, up sort of a bit more my style of music, where Kiefer's a lot, bit more country. Um, probably would just get, I mean, if I sent you a link to the song Philadelphia Chickens by the Bacon Brothers, you'd, you'd be on board with that song. That's a pretty <laughs> epic song. Um, I'd, look, I'd honestly probably still give it slightly to the Bacon Brothers, just because I, it's probably more music I would listen to. Um, but no, keep it good. Keep it good. Hashtag keep it good. Keep it good. That's going to be, that's going to be at his next show on the merch table. Keep it good. The t-shirt. <laughs> like, cause most of the time, yeah, he'd be sitting down, but there'd be a few times he'd get up and he'd, you know, get a bit rowdy on his guitar. And there was, there was like one point where like everybody started like clapping and beat and then they stopped. And then he kind of like made fun of them. He's like, oh, like, oh, you were my percussion section. Then you're, you're dinner served. What's going on? Like, um, <laughs> it was kind of funny, but um, I did appreciate the fight with them. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody nose. <laughs> there, there was a couple sitting opposite because, you know, I was on like some date, um, as you do. Hello, Noah. Um, you can get them in New York. You should move here. Um, but like there was a couple sitting opposite us. And like I was trying to work out like, are they on a date and it's just going very badly? Are they a couple who have had a fight or are they just like dragged there? Or they don't, or do they just enjoy music very differently? They sat there like just deadpan staring at the table for the entire show. Did not even like look at each other. They did not even look at the stage. Like I, I, to this day, I don't know what was, what was wrong with them. What was the deal with that couple? <laughs> like it just, I'm like, it, like what is happening here? If they're listening, Please write us and tell us what was happening. What was and the fight also about? Answer the question. Key for good 
<laughs> yeah. Just answer that. <laughs> Keep her good. Um, and also the crowd, like, I, me and my date were probably the youngest people there. Um, but hey, like, you know, the old people love Kiefer. Uh, um, you know, <laughs> so good for them. But yes, Kiefer now, good. Now, was the crowd rowdier than the New Jersey Devils game? <laughs> probably yes. Uh, <laughs> B to two now. Not much atmosphere at a New Jersey Devils game. Um, and, and until they finally realize that they're winning at the end. Um, it's odd. It's 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 strange. Uh, any hockey fan will know that, like, even when I went to that Colorado Avalanche game when there was, like, two people there, there was still atmosphere at that game. Um, mm. Whereas, yeah, no, New Jersey Devils fans, I mean, they've got them. Did you know that? And um, <laughs> no wonder the tickets are so cheap. So, um, having said that, I spent cheaper on a New York Islanders ticket for tonight, but that's another story. Anyway, um, who did you Which 80s former rock star doing a TV show in the 2000s did you see this week? Colin? <laughs> I, I'm. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm gonna look up and see if Tom Selleck or Lorenzo Lamas has any. Um, hey. Any shows coming up here in Winnipeg? Tom Selleck would be pretty good live. I'd go see that moustache. Who wouldn't? <laughs> I'd, I'd hear him sit there and tell his blue blood stories. You know, I'm a fan. Come on. Oh yeah, blue bloods. I forgot. Yeah. He's a police commissioner here, isn't he? Uh, I, I haven't seen him yet. So, um, anyway, uh, this episode of Twenty Four. <laughs> um. Oh. Ah, oh, last week was so good. Um, oh, I can't believe you're saying that. Like, I'm not loving this episode, but wow. This, like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm feeling this episode is what you were feeling about last week because it's just like, I hate the Lynn stuff so much in this episode. We may as well have, like, Benny Hill music this week with Lynn and it's just like, it's just, <laughs> it's just gotten to a level where it's just, I mean, this is... We have this. This is the fifth last episode of this season, and like last season was so good. Like you just you could feel it was building to a crescendo. You're like, oh, what's happening? This is so exciting. This time around, you're just kind of like, oh yeah, Lynn's in the closet, and oh, they've got to get the chip, and oh, these racist white people are blocking people in houses now, and you know, oh, um, that's happening. Like I don't know. Like there's just something about this episode where I'm just like. Eh, eh, eh. Sure. <laughs> well, I'm going to say this. I actually was enjoying this episode a lot more before I started looking at it objectively because coming <laughs> off of last week, anything was going to be an improvement. Uh, but I did have to kind of dial it back a little bit at the end of the episode and be like, you know, am I as high on this because it's a good episode or because compared to last week? And it really is compared to last week. There are things that happen this week. It's not just, you know, more of the same. And I think that's the thing I'll be a little bit more complimentary to than you. But like, this is just the story of season two. It's yeah. You're doing something new every week. And now we're doing something not interesting new every week. And wait, we get the garbage fire. Like the garbage fire is the perfect metaphor for that storyline. Yeah. (laughs) And it just sort of comes out of nowhere. And that's so 24 season two. Uh, Hey, we got a garbage fire. And I mean, that that basically covers the story. That's it. We're done. Yeah, and it's kind of, I don't really know how to like, I mean, I guess you, you kind of got your three, you've got your CTU, I mean, the Jack and Kate stuff kind of gets connected, and then you've obviously got the Palmer drama, which is connected with the Lynn stuff, so, no Kim, again, um, never thought I'd say this, I kind of maybe miss Kim this week, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Like, like, I felt she was, you could feel she was missing this week, it was last week, you, yeah, get to the end, and like, oh, Kim's missing, this week, you're like... Yeah, what what troubles Kim? Because now it just feels like they've just replaced Kim trouble of the week with Kate's trouble of the week. Like it's just like, oh, yeah. what blonde white woman can we get in trouble this week? Oh, Kate's <laughs> available. Um, so 
I don't know. I'd rather see just like a scene of Kim in the police station waiting for to get picked up by Tony or something like that. But um, grabbing a bag of Cheetos out of the vending machine. There, we're done. <laughs> Kim's storyline um, of the week. I mean, we had that last season. We might as well have it again. This. Uh, I mean, Palmer drama first, maybe. Like, I feel Palmer drama is not yeah. too keen. Like uh, the other stuff. We're kind a of week gets, away like, from the good stuff. So basically, Palmer is paranoid this week. Palmer thinks he's going to get voted off the island. His alliance is working against him. Um, he's looking; he might be, he might play an idol this week, uh, Palmer. Uh, so um, a lot of a lot of Palmer just sitting there going, "Hmm, hmm, do I trust my alliance? Like I don't know. Like love Dennis Haysbert's a bit, but this is not his most uh, busy episode he's ever done. So uh, basically, he's just trying to get a hold of Prescott. TV's Alan Dale is busy. He's, he's got a lot of things on Alan Dale. The OC was around about this time. Uh, probably signing Lost was, you know, getting some uh, things there. Ugly Betty probably not too far away here as well. So lots of Alan Dale, busy man. He was even opening for Kiefer on weekends. He was, yes, exactly. Um, he was actually performing in Room B uh, next door. Yeah. Uh, who are you here to see tonight, Alan Dale? Uh, <laughs> from from his debut album, Alan Dale, good. Yeah. And also on last week, Rip Neighbours, Alan Dale was very famous in Neighbours. So uh, maybe they'll bring back Alan. I don't know if his character died or not. So um, there's there's an alum to get back for the Neighbours finale. Maybe we should cover the Neighbours finale on the Oz Network. <laughs> It'll be my watched, first episode ever. I haven't watched Neighbours in like 12 years. So I don't know. Is, is Toady still on it? Is Carl still on it? I've interviewed like two people from Neighbours, like the famous people. I and I never even knew who their characters are. Anyway, point is. Alan Dale, busy man. Um, so, who, literally, Palmer makes a phone call. Hmm. Aaron, come in. Aaron's back. Here he is. Um, and I, I just didn't realise that presidents of the United States are secret service agents for opinions on, like, uh, coups. Um, so, <laughs> very personable, Palmer. It's like, Aaron, come on in. Like, uh, you've been around for a bit. You know, oh, yeah, since Reagan's second term. So, Ronald Reagan exists in the world of 24. So... I mean, did Palmer like take over Bush, like or Clinton? Um, the timing <laughs> doesn't really work, work out, out well. When it was supposed to be, like somebody has there is a there is a like a fan timeline that somebody and I'm I'm pretty sure from memory this is meant to start in like the year two thousand. So like technically he's the president he instead is of Bush. Bush. Um, but then like with the amount of time that passes over the years, you know, like so look, I think that was the fan timeline that it precedes Clinton. Um, but again, I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've seen that. But anyway, Reagan exists. So um, basically, I just I just love this scene. <laughs> Angry, like I'm Palmer. Like Aaron's not answering the question, and Palmer's me. Like you're not answering the question. Like stop fucking <laughs> sidestepping these like five times down to Sunday, Aaron. Um, but I kind of like this is why you love Aaron because we got a bit of it last season, of course. But, like, they start to build him up more and more and more, obviously, over the seasons. But this is just a nice little bit of a relationship here where Palmer trusts him enough and he's just like, you know, I don't... I feel like something's going on here. Like, you know, I can't get a hold of my own people. Like, should I be worried here? And Aaron's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, I I feel that the, the best men have to make their tough decisions and, you know, you've got a tough decision to make, sir. And like, that's not answering the question, damn it. Why can't you answer my question? Why? Um, Why? And- <laughs> <laughs> what what's the line he says is like he's like flat out asking like is Prescott you know doing something against me and he's just like I do not know sir but I like to think that your instincts are correct it's like I, I and it's 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 actually weird that I like kind of Aaron because like 
a Secret Service guy should not be giving advice to the President of the United States. So, yes, he should be sidestepping these uh, answers and kind of doing that roundabout way that, you know, politicians do anyway. So, it's a nice scene, but, like, again, is Palmer really... It's, like, it's why he misses Sherry. doesn't have Sherry. He's a lonely man, Palmer. Ring Keith. Yeah. I'm sure he's up watching the yeah, tubes. <laughs> He's slowly running out of people. I mean, is this the reason that Pierce becomes a thing? Because they reach this season like we got nobody for Palmer to confide in, nobody for Palmer to to talk to and to, to hang with. Uh, bring yeah. in that guy from season one. Because did we get Pierce earlier this season? I, if he, we did, this is the first time. This is it. the first time we've seen Pierce all season, I believe. So, yeah. um, where's Armus? Like Armus has gone missing. Yeah, Armus like, can be we- this. This could be Armus. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Armus, there you are. Did you release Sherry? Oh well, come in and talk to me. Um, that's, that's what I want. Like, if he goes to my mic, I'm sad. Bring the Armus. <laughs> that's just his job. Cheer up the president. Hey, Mr. President, it's me, Armus. <laughs> Mike, I'm sad. Uh, <laughs> the president is sad. David Bersad, bring me Armus. <laughs> because we can't. Because I'm sad. Uh, <laughs> Poor Palmer, sad Palmer. Hashtag sad Palmer. <laughs> well, thank God Pierce is there to cheer him up. And I love the way you describe it, too. It's like, uh, Agent Pierce, is something going on that I should know about? Well, I wouldn't know. But let's say yes. <laughs> speculating, opinion, anything. I, I, I want it to be like, is there something going on? Why can't I get a hold of people? I, I can't say, Mr. President. Pierce, tell me. Well, we know it's your birthday surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and Papa's like, yay! And here's Armus. <laughs> it's all a coup for your birthday. <laughs> it's a coup for stopping the nuclear bomb. <laughs> Jack Bauer, he stop the bomb, stop the bomb. <laughs> That's what we want to see. <laughs> oh, sad Palmer. Hashtag sad Palmer. Huh? When, they get, when they eventually get to the revelation, this is and by the way, happy birthday, David. Now you're out. <laughs> this is, we got to have good and bad birthday presents. You know, it's pretty awesome. It's one, of, it's one of those ones where it's like the, you know, the fake out. So like Palmer's going like, Oh, I think it's my birthday. That's why they're, you know, yeah. that's why everyone's secret. And everyone's, oh, Mr. President, no, I don't know what you're talking about. So then they have like the meeting next week and all the time thinking, <laughs> oh, you guys. And like, sir, no, we're here to discuss. Oh, I know what you're here to do. No, sir, this is the 25th of May. No, no, it's not. This what did you get very me? very serious. <laughs> did, did, did you buy me Greenland? Um, like, what did you buy me? <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> It could go the other way, too. It's going to be like, all right. And with that vote, David Palmer, you are no longer president of the United States. Just kidding. Happy birthday. <laughs> you are also king of the world, David Palmer. <laughs> we've, part, we've passed the amendment that the U.S. president is now king of the world. Out comes a birthday cake and Sherry or, or Lynn pops out of the birthday cake. <laughs> hey, Mr. President, happy birthday, Mr. President. W- Wendy Crewson comes in a season early. Um, <laughs> oh, that's the backstory. That's that's, that's, how, they that's how they meet. <laughs> she was the birthday cake model. Oh, Wendy Crewson. There you are. Hello. You were married to Arnold Schwarzenegger and Tim Allen. What a woman. Uh, <laughs> the woman is at it all. <laughs> oh, season three. Wait till we get to that. But um, I, also, I also like the one part there with Aaron when he's like, 
Palmer's like, coming in, Aaron. Palmer, sad. Cheer me up. Um, but then, like, he's getting advice for him. And then, like, pa- uh, Aaron's going to get in his little wrist-like speaker and he's like, put me 2712. What is that, like, code for president needs a hug? Like, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Light the candles. <laughs> like, I just thought there's a code. that Like, like there's obviously some Secret Service code of, like, Secret Service, alone time. Like, she has to be a bit sus. Like, I mean, should it be like, oh, like, Monica Lewinsky situation going on here? Like... <laughs> Stain on Pierce's dress. Um, like, this is I mean, how you stuck around since Reagan. Yeah, exactly. The, and there's oh, when um when Palmer's talking to um Mike in one of the scenes, there's a really weird camera angle where they've kind of got like the camera under his head, like it's like right, like it's I don't know if you noticed it. It's like right at the very beginning no. of the episode, and it's just I don't know what they were doing with the camera stuff in this one. But anyway, um, Palmer eventually gets through to Alan. Oh, you're planning my birthday. What are you doing? <laughs> and I just. I, I just, I love the overemphasis here where, like, it's just, it just doesn't feel right. Like, it just feels out of place where Palmer's, like, on the phone to, to Alan Dale and it's just like, I know you're against what's going on here, but, like, I've got your full support, don't I? Yes. Really? Yes. Because my phone's always open. You can talk to me whenever you want. There's nothing to say, <laughs> Mr. President. Okay, well, say hi to the wife. This is, again, this is, <laughs> like, 3.30 in the morning. Their country has just had a nuclear bomb blown up on it and they're just, they're doing high school shenanigans about like, oh, are you saying this behind my back? Are you doing this? Like, what's yeah. going on? Um, so, and Palmer, I love when he hangs up the phone. I just don't trust him. <laughs> Do I need to play my legacy advantage? Um, like <laughs> I feel like we are watching Survivor here all of a sudden. But um, so that's basically Palmer. Uh, meanwhile... <laughs> Mike's just going around like there's a scene when like when Palmer's like oh get me Lynn and and he's like oh no no Lynn's sick oh well let her lie down I'll get Jenny to look over and then 10 minutes later Jenny shit at her job so get me Lynn <laughs> poor Jenny um but I, I love there's that one scene where Mike's like yes I'll find out they kind of just have this camera following him like Turning over his shoulder every five seconds, going like, oh, am I going to get caught going into another room? And then he goes into this room, picks up like this sat phone, pulls out that thing. Are they onto us? Are they onto us? It's like, okay, we get it. Mike is evil. Um, which, again, is he really? I don't know. They're making it out that he is. It's, we'll, we'll get to what's a face in CTU soon. But um, anyway, and then meanwhile, poor old Lynn is locked in. Oh, my God banging at the door. She's got a fire hydrant. Do you know what you're doing? You are conspiring against the President of the United States. No, they're not. This is legal, Lynn. Um, like Even Pierce agrees it's legal. <laughs> exactly. Drama much? Um, to which I love it when she, like, cracks open this tool shed, gets the drill out. Oh, damn, didn't charge my Makita. Um, I, I want that to be the dramatic nature of uh, 24 season two. Lynn charges a power drill for two hours. Uh, <laughs> sits there. <laughs> like, like even Lynn's not that dumb. Oh, I better not start a fire. That could be dangerous. I could fall down some stairs. At least with a drill, I can get out in one piece and maybe drill this guy to the head. National security on the line. Um, literally a dumpster fire happens because she's got like a blowtorch, as you do. I just love this Benny Hill whacks this guy in the head, runs down the stairs, and they literally make this out to be like the most dramatic thing in 24. You've got like like tense music running downstairs. You've got Armas 2, whatever his name is, chasing after. And then like 
I just, I, I'm sorry. I should not laugh at a fight of like an over, like man, like assaulting a woman. But like basically he just like grabs her and she's like, ah, ah, get off me, get off me. And the scene where she falls down, the like it's not funny. <laughs> but just like this shot of this body, like, ah, like falling down <laughs> I laugh so much. And then he's got this shot of her eh, on the ground. Like, this is meant to be so dramatic. Like, oh, no, not beloved Lynn. She's fallen down the stairs. Like, this isn't Casino Royale, folks. Like, this is just hilarious. <laughs> just so Jay, stupid. I I, uh, I was uploading another episode uh, last night. And uh, when I was uh, going on to create the post on our website, I saw that you, you lived up to your promise and you updated the graphic. <laughs> For last week with Kate getting slapped, are, are you going to do the same with falling down oh, the stairs? Here? I feel like I have to now, but like, the, like, do we want do we want Lynn on the floor like, eh, or do we want like body in the air like Lynn going like, ah? Oh, if you can get the body in the air and it's clear, I say go with that. It's just like it's just that one shot. It's like a two. I wish we could do like animated episode cards because it's just these one. Like I don't know if they've got like a dummy and they've just like flown it off the thing. It's like, <laughs> but I hate this so much because like, it's just, it just comes out of nowhere. As you said, it's just, this is what this season is. And it's like, I like I'm, Lynn's not my favorite character. She's, she's got a moment and I'm just watching it. <laughs> so funny. Uh, I love the look of the guy like, oh, she fell over the side. Like, oh, wah, wah, wah. oh boss, she fell over the side. Oh, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> it happened again. <laughs> they, need to, they need to have the clip when she's on the ground. <laughs> Next week on 24. Uh, <laughs> so stupid. Um, but I can't remember what I was saying. Yeah, Lynn, like, she's fine. Again, she was right earlier in the day, but then, like, I don't know. But, like, it's, like, they yeah. make it out like it's this big deal. And then the, the best part about this is, this is, like, what, 15 minutes into the episode. Palmer then gets told, like, 20 minutes later that Lynn's injured. Um, and then when Palmer's like, oh, 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 Palmer bear, Palmer sad, like, let's run and see Lynn. It takes like 15 minutes for him to get outside to the ambulance. Like, what is he, uh, 10 <laughs> meetings on the He mustn't care that much about Lynn. Like, walks in, oh, quick, where's Lynn? Oh, yes, I'll sign that, Jenny. Oh, yes, no, Jack, we will invade Cuba. Like, <laughs> like meanwhile, in that amount of time, Jack drove around Los Angeles six times. <laughs> exactly. Killed a couple of, like, racist rednecks. Like, God, Jack's been busy. But then I, I don't, I think this might be even worse than Lynn falling down the stairs. Like, this, like scene of like Palmer like going up to Lynn and the doctor's all like yes she took a head, a blow to the head she's a bit loopy right now we she's critical we don't know if she'll survive and it's like oh no not Lynn not Lynn um it's kind of like Palmer like gets her Lynn it is David Palmer it is okay <laughs> your you <can> employer <laughs> you can talk to me tell me what happened and then I, lo- I love at that one point when like Mike's basically like 
oh no, she, she's hit her head. She needs to go. And all that Palmer's like, let the doctor speak. <laughs> and then, you know, it's meant to be all dramatic because he's Mike with his like sheepish look. Oh no, I'm about to get called out. And then you've got like Lynn, like holding her hand up, like shaking and like trying to point. Like it's so dumb to which then Mike grabs her head. It's okay, Lynn. It's okay. Um, and then off in the ambulance, never to be seen again. Thanks, Lynn, for being in 24. Yeah. Um, it's stupid. I hate it. It's so dumb. Like, this is Palmer drama. Like, this is by far my least favourite thing in this episode. And this ruins this episode because it's just like, like, we're meant to be building up to, like, this tension of, like, Palmer possibly getting, like, stabbed in the back. And I get it, like, Lynn telling the prep. But, like, even if Lynn, like, what is Mike scared of? Because even if Lynn is like, sup, Palmer, heard you sad, have a hug. I'll give you some more hand action later, you know, whatever. By the way, Mike and, and Alan Dale and the gang are going to be having a meeting right now to go against you. The The point, as far as I'm aware, of this section of the Constitution is the president can't do anything about it. Like, because they, they make this whole thing about how, like, Palmer's line of, like, I'm the commander-in-chief, and if I want someone on the phone, get them on the phone. Like, get me Bruce Willis out of bed right now. I want to talk to him about Die Hard. Like, I mean, like, a cool line. But then, like, the way, like, you know, you got Alan Dale, like, does anyone know what we're doing? Does anyone know? Like, I understand that there's got to be a level of secrecy, but surely even if Palmer found out, there's nothing he can do because, like, yeah. that's the point of this amendment. So I don't get why, like, Mike stopping Lynn is, like, the be-all and end-all. It just makes Mike, like, it's, even worse. Especially because, I mean, I've, I've watched the next week's episode. It is going to be five minutes after this that this whole thing is going to be revealed to David. So <laughs> it's bad timing, I, I, again, and on the writing side, that they're trying to make this super dramatic moment that is going to be rendered completely irrelevant in a few minutes. And the same thing with the Lynn storyline. Like, you're right in saying that this is this is so dumb because we don't really see Lynn again from memory. Uh, and also, even the events that will unfold later on, which is going to be kind of turning things, you know, between Prescott and, and Mike slash David, none of it's really going to focus on the Lynn stuff if memory serves me right. So yeah, we don't, why I don't think this... we even hear about Lynn from this point on. I don't even think we yeah, find like, out if she's okay Nobody, Nobody cares. And yet this is the one thing that would make them bad, you know? Yeah. But, but I'm going to disagree with you um, in that I think that Mike really saves this scene. Uh, and, Let's credit uh, Jude. Wild, wild west. Yeah. Chicka, chicka, la, la, la. But Cherry Cola. Chicka, cherry cola. Good old Jude C here. Credit him for really saving this because what we're going to get, and I think this is why I'm starting to see more and more why I ended this season really feeling like I was team Mike and that Mike, you know, needed justice because he brings so much sympathy to this character like you feel for him even when he's in the wrong and it's in that the look on his face where it's not where lynn starts to point to him it's before that when he sees the condition lynn's in he has this thing where he's looking down he's like what have i done and you really feel for the guy what have i done (laughs) what have i done (laughs) but then when she starts pointing like it is so bad and so cheesy and part of the reason it's so bad and so cheesy is because we already saw that. We haven't talked about it yet, but we already saw this earlier in the episode. It's like, it's like the, there is another Skywalker. <laughs> like this, 
<laughs> quiet speaking. No, 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 I can't hear you. I can't hear you. And it's going to be played differently with the Jack stuff that we're going to talk about in a minute. But it's like, how many times can you do the same thing in the same episode? But like the whole pointing and her finger is like shaking. Like that's another thing. I want like an animated video. No, uh, <laughs> it was him. But uh, the way that he grabs her hand, I'm just like, oh, that's so good. Like that is a thinker right there. Mike's a smart guy. I look, I don't disagree with you. I think Ju Chiki Chika Cherokola like does a great job and it's believable. And yeah, you do sympathize with him. And I, I actually remember watching this episode live when he grabs her hand going like, oh, you bastard. Like, oh, look at you go. Like, like I remember it, but like, it's just, it's just, it's just one of these things where like doing this show has, has ruined watching shows because you just get to a point where you get so frustrated over things, which is just purely entertainment and I shouldn't be getting angry about yeah. it. But it's just like, it's, it's just so dumb. It's just so it, stupid. It should have. It's just like we've been saying with Kim all season. Like this is the new Kim. This should not have been a one episode storyline. And really, if you think about it, is a two scene storyline because her setting the fire, falling down the stairs, is one sequence. Yeah. Her in the ambulance is another sequence. I mean, there's no reason that you couldn't have broken this up, had her setting the fire and then spent 20 minutes with her hiding in the stairwell and then have it. Even that would have stretched out a little bit, but it just feels like, oh, let's just get it over and done with. And you could have stretched this out for two or three weeks even. Or even have this as a cliffhanger. I mean, I didn't even mention the cliffhanger of this episode is fucking Mike sitting down on the phone, getting Terrible. ready to go with the cab, which is dumb. Like, have this. Like, have her falling yeah. down the stairs as the cliffhanger, mm-hmm. as dumb as it is, at least. Because, like, I, we had one recently where we were like, that's maybe the least dramatic clip. This is the worst cliffhanger we've had in an episode of 24. Like, it's mm-hmm. literally Mike sitting at a table and Alan Dale going, like, we're convening here to go against it. And I, I love all these other cabinet members. Again, at three in the morning, they're in cars and planes because no one's just in bed. Uh, everyone's fucking, I mean, okay, a nuclear bomb's gone off, probably everyone's awake. But, like, at the same time, it's just like, you know. And But this is another thing. Let's bring it back to 9-11. Like, in the hours after the planes hit and everything like that, Bush wasn't, like, I'm sure Bush had things doing and, like, was, you know, oh, do we have to blow them up in six hours and all that kind of stuff. But, like, Palmer needs to be calming the nation down right now because, like, you yeah. literally are seeing, like, in the urgent care centre that, I don't even remember the name of the guy, that reporter, that famous reporter who's just like, yes, and the president has confirmed that explosion over the Mojave Desert was nuclear. Like, imagine right now you wake up at four in the morning and all of a sudden out of nowhere, like... Justin Trudeau confirmed that that nuclear bomb in Saskatchewan, that bomb in Saskatchewan was mm. a nuclear blast. Are you just going to be like, oh, okay, standard morning in Canada? Like, probably yeah. is. I don't know. I haven't lived there in a year. But, like, it's 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 like, to me, a nuclear bomb goes off, even if it's, like, in the middle of buttfuck nowhere, that is kind of a mm. big deal. The president should be calming you down as a country. No wonder you've got people in the streets in Georgia and California and redneck Nick Offerman and, and Tuco Salamanca's, like, kidnapping blonde women because the president's too busy worrying about other shit. Like, calm your nation but down, like, Palmer. At the same time, I know I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, I think even in Los Angeles, we need to start seeing some shots of Jack's driving through the streets and there's yeah. people looting or there's people you know, panicking and, uh, you know, um, I don't know, smashing windows and, and certain right. Like it doesn't need to be complete chaos, but it's too calm every time you should be seeing this chaos. And then when you see the chaos, it makes no sense. Like Marietta, Georgia, really? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and yeah, this should be Palmer's job. And even if he's not sitting there addressing the nation literally at three o'clock, four in the morning, have him busying himself. He's sitting in an office for the majority of this episode by himself. Why won't anyone talk to me? Like, <laughs> Sad, Paula. Should, there, there is no scenario 
where the president is not surrounded by him, even if it was just Pierce, he has got somebody on a nuclear bomb has gone off. He has got somebody in the room with him with yeah. guns drawn at this boom moment. And okay, let's one well, something we've not brought up. He was in that like secret bunker in Oregon before. He's casually just flown to LA. Why isn't he in lockdown again? A nuclear bomb has just gone on in yeah. his country. Even like literally, they believe that these three countries, Yemen, Burkina Faso, and, and Sudan, whatever the countries were that we said, I know all of them aren't in the Middle East, geography nerds, but just, like, bear with me, Yemen is. Um, like, why, if they are that sure that they're about to go to war, sure that they're about to go to war, um, then they should be, like, scared that these people have attacked America so that they could be doing, like, again, 9-11. Bush was shoved in a bunker, like, for how long until they realised, okay, this is safe. The whole country was shut down and that was just some guys in a cave flying planes into things. Like, this is a nuclear bomb. And it's just like, like, oh, Ben and Colin. He's not going out there. (laughs) Yeah, he's not going out there to the ambulance to check on Lynn. Nobody's allowing that. Like, there's a bunch of people from Sudan in trees with snipers, like, pew, pew, pew. Yeah, that's that's where they they don't even know who attacked Lynn. Somebody attacked this woman or or she had a terrible accident. The first suspicion should be this could all be a ploy to lure him out when we put her in the ambulance. Like, they're going to look through every scenario and say, no, that's not allowed. Have we forgotten about the ambassador's helicopter that got blown up like yeah, 13 exactly. hours ago <laughs> that we never found out? What about our dear beloved journalist? Why isn't he on the air going like, I knew about this 12 hours ago. The president detained me illegally. Like, I mean, come on. Palmer's fucked the next day. How did this guy say president? Like, come on, vote him out. Vote him out. Uh, let's Run go, Brandon. Me. No, I shouldn't say that. Um, but anyway, it's like, God. Oh, Palmer. Um, CTU, that's not overly dramatic. Um, we don't actually, I, I, for some reason, we seemingly forgot about, you know, Tony, Michelle, and what's her face this week. Um, she's kind of there, there. but it's, the, you know, There's like a scene. the whole. Well, there is, but like one scene where she's just all like, I'm going to take your job. And I kind of like Tony, uh, kind of what he does here. But um, I guess it's all about um, Chappelle comes in and, oh, we're going to hate Chappelle again. But the thing that I think is different between Chappelle and Mason, and I think we talked a little bit about this last season, is that Chappelle's a lot more weaselly in the fact that he's also a bit of a wimp. Whereas I don't, you don't see yeah. Mason like bend over straight away like mason's the dirty guy like mason's like stealing money and like mason's just you know whereas Chappelle is like i'm in charge and then somebody stands up to him and he's like fair enough moving on uh, like, like and i kind of like just, that about uh Chappelle. just to quickly interrupt there's no better way to illustrate that Chappelle is a wimp based on the fact that he's calling the vice president and an explanation doesn't need to be given like He's already been one of the first people have been like, oh, hail our new overlord Prescott. You know, like it's a there's behind the scenes stuff. Chappelle knows about it. And he's like, I'm not going to object. I'm just I'm just following. I'm following the the, the trail of command or the, the chain of command. Uh, you are my new overlord. Like that is Chappelle. I, I love it like when he comes in, though, and he's just like, you know, Michelle, you know, how you doing? And Tony, great job. <laughs> and then he just like goes into like Weasley mode. But I also like. We talk about how CTU seemingly aren't that busy right now, but I just love how kind of like Chappelle's just like, no, don't find Jack. Everybody get to the local response. Like, would CTU get into local response? Oh, yeah. Like, they're the counter-terrorist <laughs> unit, not the counter-public response unit. Like, I just, I don't get the logistics well, of CTU having to deal with the riots in LA right now. 
It's just, it's also so stupid because it makes no sense where he says, he uses the same argument that I think Tony made earlier on. It's like, you are a resource. And he said, that's what he says. He says, I need you to focus your resources on this and not on Jack. And then he says, well, Jack has evidence. It's like, all right, then bring Jack in and we'll investigate this evidence. I'm like, so you're saying (laughs) you're not going to use your resources to help Jack, but Jack's got evidence. So let's use our resources to help Jack. Like he's contradicting himself in his orders to Tony, which you could also just say that's a Chappelle thing. Yeah. And like, I get that what this show does a lot is often you have the man like preventing Jack from doing his job and we know Jack is right. Um, and But like, again, it makes no sense for Chappelle or anybody to be anti-Jack right now. There, there's nothing like it's again, it's not like Jack is doing something that is preventing something else. Like literally he's a one man show. And if you've got two people in C2, I mean, there's a lot of people still there for a building that was lost half of its employees, like, in earlier in the day. There's still blood yeah. and guts on the wall from Paula. Then her nose is, like, in one, <laughs> you know. But, like, it's, it's. I mean, they're obviously very well-staffed CTU for three in the morning. So, like, what well, does it matter if Michelle and Tony are just, like, random phone call to Jack? How's that going? I, I do like Chappelle's line when, like, Tony's all like, oh, you know, we've got evidence that the recording is fake. We need to authenticate. I love Chappelle when he's like, well, the same recording that you authenticated like two hours ago. Like, which yeah. is it? Like, I that's a great line. And that that's one of those moments where it's like, okay, you can understand Team War here right now. You've, you can understand their page on it. But it's just like, again, it makes no sense. That, like, it just makes people like Chappelle and Mike and all that, like, they're complicit with the bomb in some weird way. Because, like, they, they should be on board with let's try and make this double check our facts everything to make sure that we're not blowing up innocent countries yeah and especially because compared to the other points where this whole discussion has come up about oh we need to focus our resources or whatever they're only taking phone calls and Mm. as we've seen they take they're allowed to take phone calls and personal visitors from their abusive (laughs) brothers uh (laughs) from their obnoxious daughters like Every fo- Kim can still call Tony. Why isn't Chappelle getting on Tony and saying, "Listen, I don't. If you want to talk to Jack, that's one thing. But his daughter is calling here, like and you disrupting and, do our you and Kim resources. Have a thing going on here, Tony. Like, do we need to? You know, like yeah, like I know. I've I've seen her swim. I, I can I can understand the attraction, but seriously, <laughs> you have a job to do, Tony. <laughs> but that that's the frustrating thing is that if they were if they we were already at the point where they're saying, "I've got Michelle analyzing the data from this chip," we're not even there yet. We're just at the point where we're taking phone calls from Jack and there's no objection to the other phone calls that we constantly get given. That that's the thing that's, that's so much of a problem with this. And I just, I still don't get this plot line of everything. Like all the phone lines are down. So like when Jack rings and it's like, was that Jack? Like, what's it like? I mean, like, okay, again, I, I, I don't think this goes anywhere, but like, why is this a thing? And like, shouldn't this be like, Chappelle should be like, yeah, get somebody onto those lines. Like, I mean, like, again, we're not the counter phone or, repair unit, but like, it's, you know. Give us something that plays to the opposite side of this. So the the reason that you can't have them focus on Jack and this the recording is because the president and Washington needs you to do something as far as going ahead with this war. We need you yeah. to start figuring out where our bombing sites are going to be because the planes are in the air, like things like that, that CTU might be doing. I mean, I know they're a counter-terrorist unit, but the, but something, give us, oh, we need to try to find a person who is going to have information on where this terrorist in Yemen is that we need to bomb, like anything so that you could have a reason why Chappelle, don't just say, we need you for other stuff, Yeah, in quotes, other stuff, Atlanta Falcons. Like that's yeah. the way this plays out. 
And they're also playing it out like, is this the only terrorist threat that the US has faced that day? Like, again, Palmer said, oh, I get, I get five over my breakfast every morning. Okay, yeah. so the bomb's <laughs> gone off, fine. But, like, what about the other five terrorist attack plots that were mentioned? Mm-hmm. So, like, why aren't they onto those? Um, and also... Marietta, Georgia is terrorizing people right now. Exactly. But, like, is CTU the only government agency capable of analyzing this recording why aren't the fbi helping why aren't homeland security helping like i mean i feel like there's a bunch of other government agents that are they just sitting back going hold the bombs off ctu's got this we can go to bed well i mean i think they have said at other points in the season that all other agencies have you know analyzed this or that i know that's been one of the discussions with mike and palmer but i mean you could also say are none of the other agencies able to like if ctu's focus on this can can we leak this information? Can Tony call up a contact in the NSA or the, the FBI mm. or anything else? Uh, CSIS, call up the Canadians, you know, <laughs> and ASIO. say, Australia. Hey, can, <laughs> yeah, I'm not allowed to do this because Chappelle said so, but can you lend yeah. a hand and talk to Jack? I'm so glad your brother listens to this and we just like ruin this show for everybody. It's so, it's, <laughs> it's just. Um, but like, I'm kind of like, here's the thing. I, I let's, let's go back to that. I'm kind of with him because if you remember coming this season, I think I said multiple times, I'm like, you know, I'm not as negative on season two as most people are. There's a lot of stuff about season two I like, and I, here I am hating it myself. Like, there's so many problems here. But some of the yeah. problems, like, as far, I also want to separate. Some of the problems that we bring up are simply, this is illogical, and maybe there's a way you could write, like, saying, oh, we have no resources because we're working on Atlanta Falcons. You know, that is just a complaint uh, that doesn't ruin the show for you. It's just... Well, there's probably a smarter way to write this, but the things that that are ruining the show for us are things like, uh, what's her name falling down the stairwell? Uh, let's call her Karen. Uh, falling down the stairwell. Classic Karen. <laughs> uh, or the the Danny storyline, or Kim. It's all yeah. that garbage, and then it's just the lazy writing of like the Mike and uh, Palmer drama. And uh, not getting into Jack's character of being this this man on the brink of suicide, and that's the reason you shouldn't be listening to him. Like it's just there's problems with the season that we bring up that we can ignore, and it's just sort of like, oh, well, that's foolish. And then there's problems that we can't ignore, and it's things that we can't ignore that kind of ruin this. And it's and it, it all comes back to I think you go from a season which is just stopping a presidential assass a uh, presidential candidate assassination to go full nuclear the next season. Like, it's like you just, you go from, and like, again, I'm not opposed to this idea of let's stop a nuclear bomb. Like, it's it's very 24, you're going to do it eventually, but like, don't do this season two. And then don't, you know, yeah. Anyway, listen to every single episode to hear us complain about these. So, uh, but again, season two of 24, probably uh, a lot better than some other seasons we've covered on this show and um, definitely better than any season of Grey's Anatomy. So that's always a positive. So. <laughs> And it's not going to be the worst season of 24. I'm, I'm just putting that on paper. No. Uh, well, no, off the top of my head, no. Uh, hello, season six. But having said that, uh, season six seen less times than season two. So, I mean, you know, the first four episodes like, of season six are great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that's the, that's the other thing that's going to be interesting when we get to season six is, is that going to kind of have the appeal, at least for me, I feel, is that going to have the appeal like your dumb opinion from last week. This is so bad. It's good. Like that's what I feel like season six might be. Whereas this is, this is so bad. It's just kind of dull. Which, which is where I look at season six as well, because like, I think the last time I rewatched everything and I like, I went into season six kind of like, no, like I'm objectively going to look at this. And I think I remember getting to a point I'm like, okay, yeah, this is pretty rubbish, but like, it's, it's, um, 
as we always said with season two, like this is just, it is a bipolar season. I generally love it or hate it. Um, and right now I feel I'm on the hate page um, with some good stuff happening. But uh, anyway, uh, the only real like Tony, Michelle, uh, Carrie drama, I, I actually like this scene, even though they just yeah. all of a sudden make Carrie like evil dick dastardly out of nowhere again. Um, so basically the only real scene we get is Carrie like seeing that Tony and Michelle are secretly trying to track Jack because all evil. Um, and she's all like, I know what you're doing and I want a job promotion. Otherwise I'm going to tell Chappelle. Like, shouldn't, isn't this like you mentioned, I think last week, like, shouldn't this be the fact where it's like, I saw you two making out. Like, I'm going to say that you sexually assaulted Michelle or like, you know, like, oh, you yeah. two are too busy, like fucking in the corner before, you know, doing what, like, that's where you hold leverage over the head here, Carrie. Come on. Um, but I actually love the way Tony plays this. The way Tony's oh, like, oh, yeah. Brilliant. You, you think that's what you can do? Chappelle, will you come over here? Yeah. Carrie's trying to extort a, a job promotion out of me. And I just love <laughs> Chappelle's like, is this true, Carrie? Uh, yeah, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> she buggers off. And then you think like, oh, fuck, what's Tony doing here? And Chappelle's like, is this true? I told you not to do this, Tony. And Tony's like, damn it. Uh, damn it, Chappelle. Let me do my job. And this is where Chappelle's just like, okay. Uh, so- <laughs> Like it's actually like it's it's you know cheesy and crappy as it is. I actually really do like it. Um, so it's Tony's shut up, reaction Carrie. that makes you like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also the fact that it's like okay, I know we're complaining a lot. This is going to sound hypocritical. We're complaining a lot about how oh we just got to throw something crazy at you and then it'll be done and over with within a week or two. Uh, this is the one time it works. Like we threw the whole oh she's watching, she knows. And then we're just going to be done. So now we have a bad storyline and they don't even have to drag it up for a whole episode. Like not yeah. only are they not going to drag it up for a whole episode in the same scene where you think like, oh, come on, they're going to try to build drama out of this. Carrie's extorting him. And Tony's like, okay, Chappelle, yeah. come over here. <laughs> That's why I love this. It's almost like the writers are saying, it's like, we are not going to waste your time, audience. Here's the payoff. One of my favorite bits, though, is when, like, Chappelle's, like, getting all, like, Chappelle-like with Tony. And at one point, he, like, I swear there's, like, a dramatic pause in the way he said it. He's like, I don't like insubordination. Like, just the way he kind yeah. of says, like, I just feel well, like this is, like, a weekly segment. What doesn't Chappelle like this week? Like, <laughs> I don't like taquitos. Uh, <laughs> like, it's just the way he says it. It's like, insert thing Chappelle doesn't like this week, you know? Like, it's just... Here's well, a new segment. The- I will say another thing that that kind of tip tipped my favor a little bit uh, this episode in terms of uh, this one compared to last week is the fact that we have the, another situation where Chappelle and Tony are both right. You know where he's basically saying like Tony, I you don't do what I tell you, I will replace you, and Tony's like, okay, try yeah. it. <laughs> and this basically is, and, and then you kind of have Chappelle backing off, and I love that moment where he's uh, Tony's like calling his bluff. And then Chappelle's mm. like, it's like, no, I'm not giving you the job. I just don't have anybody to replace you right now. So yeah. it's like, you're still on thin ice. You kind of, with both of them have that, but like, you go, Tony. And then you're like, <laughs> you go, Chappelle. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Also, can we just pay attention to uh, Chappelle, Paul Schultz's hair? Because I feel like he loses a lot of that next season. So um, he's, I don't, is this a, a rug or something? Like, it doesn't look real to me. <laughs> I, I'll have to I'll have to look next week because I didn't notice it. But again, we haven't seen uh, next season. Sorry, I meant next season. Like I realize time will pass between season two and season three. But like this hair just looks fake on Paul Schultz's <laughs> head. So like because I, I I don't think he's full bald next season, but he's definitely got like pretty much no hair next season. 
But um, I so, mean, maybe he. What else did he film around this time? Did he have to shave his oh, head for V Vendetta or something? <laughs> given my vast knowledge of Paul Schultz's filming uh, schedule <laughs> in two thousand and three, just let me look that up. Um, I mean, Panic Room was around about this time, I think. So, like, I know he was in Panic Room. Um, but um, anyway, Paul Schultz, what a man. Um, is there man. anything else on the CTU stuff that I'm missing? Like, I, I mean, it's no. that's really it, isn't it? Like, there's not even really, I mean, they try to track. I don't even get when they're tracking Jack. Cause like Michelle's barely like, I think I just got a phone call from Jack and they're like, triangulate his position on this number and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay. Oh, actually my <laughs> random favorite moment I marked down. I love it when Chappelle walks in and talks to Michelle and, and he's like, where's Tony? Oh, Tony's just with IT. Like, what's Tony doing with IT? <laughs> like, hello, Belinda. Um, oh, like, I got am the not, latest I am Windows not, update for me. <laughs> I am not uh, knocking IT here. I have good friends who work in IT. Um, I, I've got good coworkers who save us with IT. But, I mean, IT is a behind-the-scenes job. You go to IT <laughs> when you need something. You put in a request to the help desk for IT. You, yeah. you don't you don't distract yourself from stopping world war three to go talk to it. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm having this problem. My monitor keeps flickering every time <laughs> I try to look at the data and then you're going to it for the note. Tony is not talking to it about anything. And, and let's be honest, it is not there at two 30 in the morning. They're just all grumpy playing their video games. So, you know, like even on nuclear bomb, you know, I, I will say my, um, our it guy at my work, uh, he, uh, at least once has been seen in the middle of the night in his bathroom at work. <laughs> Living up to some cliches there. Uh, good, good job. Uh, actually, I've written down a line here, which I don't know if you picked up. This is in the Palmer drama. Palmer says at one point, hold your mud, Mike. Did you write that down? <laughs> no. Like, that's kind of like keep your back up, Sherry, or whatever it was. Like, it was yeah, I let's swear get an explanation. Says, Come on, Ian. Bring this back. to. I swear he says, <laughs> hold, your, hold mud. your mud, Mike. Um, so I don't know what that means. So if I'm wrong, oh, you if know I'm what? hearing things, I don't know. I have another line. I don't know if this was a Palmer line. I feel like it was, but another one that annoyed me here is there's a line where I, let's say as Palmer says, we were, and in some ways still are on the brink of war. Like in some ways, this is literally the brink of war. You're d- debating about whether or not you are going to war and somebody, it, it, let's say Palmer says, we in some ways are still mm. on the brink of war. No, that is the, that is the plot line of this entire season 2.2. Cuz even if you find out that this recording is fake, you still have to retaliate against somebody or something. Like yeah. even if you find that this is an internal like a guy, I mean if this was real life, like imagine the the down like I feel America would almost want another country to have done this to them rather than their own people because exactly. like who do you bomb then? Oh, they're from freaking South Dakota. Let's fucking bomb South Dakota. Like, no. I mean, maybe bomb You don't South want to Dakota. bomb Nick Offerman. You want to bomb some South African. Yeah, a South African. Okay. <laughs> Poor South Africa just got drawn into this. Hey, what, what did South Africa ever do wrong, Colin? Um, <laughs> they haven't suffered. Not, it's Ukraine. Not, Ukraine's not mine at all, right? <laughs> exactly. Poor Ukraine. <laughs> Let's just um, pick the most innocent people we can. <laughs> I'm not touching that either. Um, <laughs> so Jack, uh, Jack and Kate, uh, we're on the Titanic. Um, uh, Jack and I Rory, never Kate noticed Winslet. that. Oh. 
Well, different, different Kate. Well, you know what I'm talking about. So Jack's naked, Jack's dead, um, but no, he's not because they're going to get the ambf run or whatever the fuck it is. Yes. I do, I, I do love how like it's like running around the hospital. They're still in this. So we are in this urgent care facility, and he's old. Um, he looks like Jared, the subway guy, the pedo guy. This doctor. Um, like, is this does he the not- same doctor from two weeks yeah. ago? It is. Yeah. Same guy. This guy is the new Kim Power. Like, what else happened? Bad night. I've had a bad night. Bring it on. Um, but like, a good five minutes goes past, and like, I love the fact that all it takes to revive someone who's dead is a bit of like, like, shouldn't this be adrenaline, or is that what Ampiet, whatever the fuck this thing is? Like, I watched freaking Pulp Fiction, like adrenaline to the heart, like fucking you know Uma Thurman that shit up, um, (laughs) like. But, like, literally this is all it takes to revive someone. Like, fuck, I wasted my life watching 15 seasons of ER when it was this easy. Like, I mean, come on, 24. <laughs> get, get some advice to some medical shows here. But um, so Jack survives. And, of course, it's the old cliche of, like, shock him, shock him again. He's dead. Shock him one more time. Oh, he's alive now. Um, so there's a note to all doctors listening. Always shock them one more time. They will survive. Um, <laughs> and, of course, and if Jack- it doesn't work that time, do it one more time. Jack's heart's been out for how long? And, of course, he just wakes up and he's fine. No after effects. Like, I mean, I saw this guy live a couple of nights ago. He's got some after effects from his years of drinking. So, I mean, like, you know, I don't know about getting his nipples chopped off and soldering iron to the body, but, hey. Um, but poor old Jared Doctor here, you know, he's kept there. He's got to, like, inject him with some drug that's making him drown. Um, meanwhile, I should mention that poor old uh, Peter Outerbridge, Outerbridge here gets shot because... Tobin Bell is on the phone going like, ah, oh, what's what's Ronnie doing? Ronnie! Like, Ronnie pushed him too far, sir. Well, maybe you need to show... Like, so who? what is this guy's name? Ronnie 2. Um, other <laughs> torturer guy Johnny. here. Johnny. Johnny and Ronnie. Ronnie. Well, there's, we've Ronnie. had a Lonnie. We've had a Ronnie. We need a Johnny. Sure. Okay. And then the Bonnie next week. Um but basically, uh, he shoots poor old Peter Adridge. He, but the, the thing that is like so stupid about this is he's all like, "You're pushing him too far. You're pushing him too far." Ten minutes later, damn it, tell me what the hell? Like he's about to kill him as well. Fucking hypocrite here, Johnny, Lonnie, whatever your name is. Um, and we got a few Tobin Bell scenes here, which man in the dark talking to his investors. There's nothing really important there, I guess. I don't know if you're anything to add on Tobin Bell, but um, no. Jack's, Jack's getting drowned from the inside. He's all saying to Jared, the subway guy here, like, help me, help me. They're going to kill you anyway. Loosen my, you know, and let's be honest, Kiefer naked the whole time here. Um, so <laughs> lucky men. Um, <laughs> Jack eventually escapes. Poor old Lonnie's kid. I, I like this badass Jack moment. Like, tell me who's on the other side of the phone and I will make it quick. It's like okay, Peter Kingsley, pew pew, dead. Um, Jack drops a couple of dammits, by the way. So we're up to fourteen dammits this season. Um, and I also love that moment when he kind of leads in the goons who are waiting outside the door by shooting the door, and then they come running in, and he just goes pew pew, shoots them like that's badass Jack moment. Um, and I also love Jack pointing the gun at the doctor. This poor guy, like again, help help me out, and I'll let you free. <laughs> He's just like poor. This doctor's like therapy for the rest of his life <laughs> oh my god this guy's traumatized um jack escapes good for jack uh, i mean I'll, I'll pause here for the moment anything to add on like naked jack i'm a bit sad that jack put pants on but hey you know he gets out of this alive so jack not dead i mean only thing i have to add is that it's 
it was better just the endless torture we had last week. Um, and, and that wasn't even the Jack story. That was just the rest of the episode with <laughs> Michelle and Tony and uh, Gary. But um, <laughs> is there a moment where Jack signals to this doctor? Or was I not watching closely enough? Because how does Jack know this doctor is going to shove the needle in Lonnie's back? Oh, I think he does. I think he gives him a look. Maybe he just raises his penis subtly because he's naked. I don't know. Um, but I like, mean, he I could have also just been giving him a look. It's like, hey, I'm naked. Yeah, <laughs> you're a man Tied in up. uniform kind of <laughs> kind of into this you know um yeah i think he does i think he gives him like a seductive glare um basically, <laughs> hey, come on that's over. just the key for look that's the same that way is. he looked at the the couple staring at their table um that last night if, if i was looked at by like they were i'd also be like oh god i can't look at him i'm gonna like you know <laughs> do something um but yeah sorry did you have anything to add or anything extra or no, just I, I feel so bad for this doctor that after everything that's happened, he's already held the gun on this guy once. This guy's broken his oath as a doctor or whatever. He's given up security of his hospital. We know what it's led to. It's led to a lot of trouble. Uh, he's helped Jack. He 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 killed a man. This guy yeah. has become. He has allowed himself to become a murderer. And the next thing Jack does is holds a gun to his head again. Like poor doctor Jared here. And I don't understand. So Jack's been injected with this drowning from the inside drug and then he just gets up and he's fine yet dear old johnny here is drowning and i'll make it quick so why isn't jack still because he says like he will be dead in 15 minutes uh so jack should be dead in 15 minutes well actually they said they upped the dosage for him this is that increased the dosage or whatever so if if it's 15 minutes maybe jack will be dead in an hour or i mean how much time do we have four four five hours left there, there's a way to have some suspense in the second half of the season. It's like Jack will drown in four hours. <laughs> He's like, the, the clock ends, day, another day, Jack saves a day, and dead. <laughs> Jack Bauer will not well, return. That could, did, 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 did. that could have been the commercial after last week's episode. That could have been the commercial. We guarantee one thing. Jack Bauer will drown from the inside. <laughs> Next season, James Badge Dale returns as Jack Bauer Jr. <laughs> Jack Bauer Jr. Dun, 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 dun. Um, meanwhile, uh, poor old Yusuf has been basically beaten to a pulp. They <laughs> rob his wallet. Get his wallet! Uh, <laughs> 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 it just runs you back to the oh. future. I think he took his wallet. Yeah, he took, I his, think wallet. He took his wallet. <laughs> I, don't know, I just want these guys to get his wallet. It's like, this isn't. Money? This is Yemenese money. That's not real money. <laughs> Do I look Yemenese to you? Um, so, um, like, so they Kate's all like, no, no, like, don't take the chip, not the chip. And it's like, what's on this chip? Isn't this where Kate should just be like, it's my husband's dick pics? I don't know. Like, like, don't <laughs> tell the truth and say like, yeah, it's got information. That's like, of course, these guys are going to exploit that from you. Just be like, I don't know, like, it's got. My, my fucking works, you know, important documents about this week's meetings, like Jenny's cliff notes from all my, I don't know. like It's pornography. I'm storing <laughs> pornography. <laughs> it's gay porn. These guys are going to like, ooh. Like, like, oh, it's, it's Arab gay porn. Ooh. Like, I mean. And, and like, like, okay, I don't mean to sound like an absolute dick here, but like, there's no way that these guys are just going to want money from Kate. Like, they are a bunch of three redneck, like, guys who are starting, like, mob mentality here. Like, they're going to assault yeah. Kate here. Like, come on. Like, I mean, 
They're not that nice of men. Oh, no. We'll stop at money. We would never sexually assault a woman. Like, bullshit. They're sexually assault, sexually assaulting everyone that night. These guys are pricks. Um, stupid white men. Um, so well, I mean, they're not all white. <laughs> let's let's also clear that two up. Two of them. Uh, <laughs> Tuga Salamanca, he's a man. He would, he would you know, he's a, um, He wouldn't touch a woman. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, but so basically Kate's all like, I've got money. Like where in Beverly Hills? That's <laughs> not Beverly Hills, but in the Hamptons, the wrong part of the country. Whatever. Come back to my place for a casual beverage, and I'll share some stories of money with you, <laughs> random redneck men. <laughs> so what Kate does at three in the morning on a standard night in LA. I mean, she <laughs> like could have told us like, "Listen, we got a wedding cake that nobody ate. <laughs> you guys hungry?" Oh, <laughs> uh, so off there. So okay, so one of these guys is um, what's the actor's name? Why am I going blank on the actor's name here? No, no, Nick Hoffman and the guy who plays Tuco oh, Salamanca. Was it Raymond Cruz? Raymond Cruz, thank you very much. He's also yeah. uh, so one of these guys who's in a lot of um, Oz Network shows. Of course, in the very first episode of uh, Nip Tuck, and he's in a couple of episodes of Nip Tuck. Uh, so, yeah, Raymond Cruz. And the other guy, uh, he's off something too. So, this <laughs> is, uh, is this Cole? Is Cole his name? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was watching pornography. Um, it is Cole. Okay, so Cole played by the esteemed Maurice Compte. Maybe we'll find out what he's in at another point. But anyway, so they all go back to her house and they're all like, oh, you live here, like, by yourself? And it's like, yeah, like, white woman from Pasadena and she's living by herself and, you know, whatever. So they're going through a house and it's like, we're at Kate's house, gonna find the money, find the money. <laughs> like, I just, I love this. They go to, like, her safe and she's like, here, here's the money. It's like, what is this? Euro? What do I look, European? Like, 20,000 euro, euro, it's as good as money. Um, It is money, Kate. Like, I love how she says it's as good. It is money. Um, just disparaging that's better than money, sir. That's a euro. <laughs> no, that's an IOU. Uh, um, <laughs> you might want to keep on that one for the car, 20,000. Uh, <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> but, like, like... Everyone comes across as dumb. Like, I get it. Redneck guys are going to want cash on hand right now. But, like, the, I'm sure a currency exchange is open at 3 in the morning. Go and exchange 20,000. Like, I don't have my yeah. currency exchange portal from 2003 right now. But 20,000 euro could be more than 20,000 US dollars. So, I'm not going to stiff my nose up at that straight away. Uh, but then I just I just love Kate's line. It's as good as my It's money. <laughs> <laughs> Every European is watching that going like, I say that's a bit offensive. Like, I mean, <laughs> I just, anyway, but then I also love how like, you know, they find 1500 in cash. And then what's the line when like uh, Tuco Salamanca like gets the, the, um, the, the bracelet or necklace. It's like, do you think this is real? And the other guy like, no, they lock up the fake ones. Like, I mean, it's. <laughs> But then, okay, so Jack finds dear old Yusuf dying in a phone booth. Who did Yusuf call? Like, fuck Yusuf, you suck if you try to call someone. And, like, TV show's got a TV show. Let's not kill Yusuf until Jack shows up. And how does Jack see him? Like, does Jack, like, drive, yeah. like, just sees, like, random guy passed out in, like... I'm sorry, I've been in New York for two and a half, like, two weeks. I've seen enough people pass out on the street to know that not every single one of them has just been, like, you know, use of, like, with government information. It's like, Jack should be just like, oh, there's just homeless Larry in the phone box again. Um, so we get the, the use of, like, there is another. Um, like, oh, 
all we hear it's here all is over just, this episode. <laughs> all we hear is literally going like, they've gone to Kate's house. She lives in like this suburb. How does Jack know which house? Like, I mean, it literally reminds me of Dumb and Dumber when, like, Jim Carrey's in the bar. It's like, Mary Swanson, oh, yeah, she lives in the big place up on whatever street. Like, at least you get that clue. Literally, like, if you said, oh, yes, Kate lives in North Winnipeg. Like, I mean, (laughs) you're just going to be like, oh, yep, know the house. There's only one woman who lives there. Uh, Because then next minute... If he had the street, he still would need a number. Exactly. So, like, this whole situation comes to a crescendo when, like, all these, like, redneck guys are all like, oh, she's seen our face. We've got to kill her. So, like, ah, chase around the house. Kate's in danger. Oh, no. So then Jack shows in. Badass Jack kills Tuco Salamanca before all of a sudden these two guys lock themselves in a room because, oh, no, we've got another standoff going on here. And I love Jack. She's like, I'm Federal Agent Jack Bauer. That chip contains important information to the government. Again, don't tell them. These are like redneck guys. They're going to extort you. Like, what's Jack going to do? Like, I was naked before. Like, you can see me naked for the next hour. And like, because literally all this guy does, Nick Offerman, is just literally like, don't come in. I will break this chip. To which Jack is like, oh, damn it. I've done it again. (laughs) It's just. (laughs) I just like, it's just like, I love me, Jack. Don't get me wrong. But there's been a few times this season where you're even like, Jack, like, come on, man. Like, you're you're superhero, Jack. Even you've made some mistakes this season. So, oh, no, cliffhanger. Redneck white guys are holding up um, a chip. Let's drag this out another episode or two. So, I mean, sure, you're going to see sexy naked Jack for a little bit. But other than that, Kate and Dane, this may as well have been Kim. Yeah, it really just has replaced Kim. Um, although at least she's carrying something important to the plot, unlike Kim was, you know? Uh, there is some reason for her to be there. Still, they ran out of steam with Kate and the Warner storyline weeks ago. Um, I think, though, I will say, if we're going to compare... I mean, Kim is, is a whole different level of bad. So let, let's, let's just get that out there first. Uh, but if we're going to compare the use of Kate this season to say the use of Terry last season. There was definitely more going on with Terry last season, Mm. but I think I still prefer the use of Kate. Like I would rather somebody be involved in the plot in a really sloppy way than somebody to not be involved in the plot in a very over the top way. You know, I mean, do you agree with that? Or are you more on board with Terry Uh, and Amnesia? More on board with Terry. I don't know. Amnesia shit, but like it's, I feel you're, from the moment you meet Terry, you care about her because you know she's Jack's wife. And mm-hmm. then the whole plot being around Terry's being... So even, like, the stuff that's drawn out, like, oh, Terry's in peril again. Oh, God, yeah. she's got amnesia. Whereas, like, with Kate, like, yeah, like, I've never disliked Kate, but there's just something about her where, like, you know, like, if she got shot in this episode, I'm just going, oh, well, <laughs> you know, Kate seemed nice, but, well, like, oh, that's a shame. Like, I just, whereas Terry, if she got shot in episode 20, you'd be like, oh, my God, Terry, you know. See, that, that, that is a good point, too, because, uh, again, it goes back to that sympathy thing. You you feel sympathy for Terry, yeah. whereas even though all the bad stuff that happens to Kate comes later in the season, when you when you go back to how that character is introduced and the introduction of a character basically will set the stage for how you feel, which is one of the reasons I say, even when I was watching season two, I really struggled to get on board with Tony as a character because the way that he was brought into the show is kind of an adversary. Uh, it's not like you're supposed to love Kate or sympathize with her when the show begins, you're not supposed to hate her. She's just sort of in the middle. You're supposed to kind of question her. Like, well, is she a little bit racist, but is she also onto something? So you're, you're never quite were given that moment where you love and accept Kate as a character until it got so late in the season where her storyline didn't matter. 
And it's also, I think, and again, it's, it comes from multiple viewings of this show in this season. It's like, I know not to get emotionally invested into Kate. Like, and I, okay, you could argue that with Terry. She's only a one season character, but like the way obviously Terry goes out is a little bit different. Whereas yeah, Kate, like, you're going to remember it. it. Kate's what in like two minutes of season three and then that's it. On Thanks the phone, not being. even in person. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's like, it's like, even though I'm not a Renee fan, I know to get invested in Renee because she's an important character. Uh, whether you like Audrey or not, you obviously get invested in Audrey because, and like there are certain, like someone like Edgar, we haven't even met Edgar, you know, people like that where, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if you actually add up their episode counts, they're maybe not in it as long as say a, a Kate or something like that, but like it's done in a different way because you you like their character. And I, I don't dislike Kate. It's just Kate is arguably the most forgettable one season Jack potential love interest character we ever get. And she's the only Well, she's the one only se- one season. Well, next season you kind of have what's a face, the um I mean she's only in it for like about half, the first half of the season. The um oh the when Jack was like undercover like doing drugs, the Oh the yeah. One, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like I mean yeah. I, look, honestly, I feel there's more chemistry and you feel more of a like they had a thing beforehand than you do with Kate, and that's maybe controversial. I don't know. But um, no, because outside that, because season four onwards, it's Audrey for like what three seasons, mm-hmm. and then for the remainder of it, it's it's uh, Renee, and then you bring back Audrey. So yeah, like this is kind of it. Um, yeah. So yeah, Unless so that's why you again, count Kate's Chloe. just well. <laughs> there's <laughs> oh geez, how would that work? Um, but th- that's yeah, that's why. Like again, it's it's no disparaging against Kate. It's just like she's just there. Yeah, no, and then again, that's another good point that we know from having watched. I think that if I could remember back, uh, you know, 20 years ago or almost 20 years ago, I might have been more invested in the Kate storyline at the time, thinking this was going to go somewhere. But when you know, when you've seen the future seasons and you know, we're going to get one more scene with her and it's just going to be to write her out, um, maybe a little bit in the video game, but still not enough to get invested. I do, but like I, I remember watching this live, going like, okay, I like because I and a lot of it was around that Sarah Winter, like she's Australian, and so I think a lot of it was kind of, well, she's going to be the new Terry, and then even when she came back in season three in the first episode, you're like, oh yeah, cool, Kate's back, like so, it was never like a thing. Like I remember watching this live where you assume this is going to be the thing, and then kind of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to mention her name. Anyone who listened to our Nip Tuck and I famously say I never mention that season one character who just disappears after season one, who's a main character, ongoing joke, haha, Nick and I are funny. But like, it's kind of like that. Like you've got a main character in season one who's a main character and then literally disappears with no explanation. It's like, oh God, remember that character in season one who was a big deal and then just all of a sudden she's not there anymore. So uh, anyway, Colin yeah. knows what I'm talking about. Loves her. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I don't mind the whole holding Kate hostage, holding the chip hostage, because again, it's something different that, uh, and, and it, and it feels a little bit more like it belongs in 24. And, and it's not just, we're going to blow up all of Los Angeles, you know, or, uh, uh, Mason has radiation sickness is going to die anytime now. Like it, it still feels like with this Cypress recording, we're taking our time with it compared to what we had in the first half of the season. But again, having said that, I don't think this is a big enough story. Now on a rewatch, this is not a big enough story to draw out for the second half of the season. And maybe they should have transitioned from the recording to something else at this. Well, we're, we're going to slowly start transitioning away from this recording, but uh, I, there hasn't been enough progression with this, but just the whole holding Kate hostage. I mean, we got a new environment. We get to see Jack Bauer be Jack Bauer again. We get to see him be the hero. Uh, and we get to see two future television icons uh, in their early days here playing 
uh, rapists or whatever it is. And it is funny because uh, we we definitely saw Raymond Cruz last week. And, and I had to ask you when I was watching this episode last night, I'm like, did we mm. talk about Tuco Salamanca being in this? And, and I thought that maybe you had mentioned it and I forgot, but we didn't even notice last week. And it was really like, he is the background character. He is not the, when you ask, well, which one does he play? I'm like, he's the guy who dies and not the other two guys who actually have important stuff to do. Like he is not the important one of this gang here. But uh, just to, you know, kind of give you, there's, there's several episodes that I've listened to with you and Nick on uh, Breaking Bad coverage. Oh, you're the one. Uh, where you. you. Yeah, or you're like, oh, let us know how you feel. And, and I never get around to actually telling you guys, <laughs> but there are Thanks plenty where I've got some, I do have some opinions that I built up. I'm like, oh, one of these days I'll tell you guys. Definitely on fly. I've got some stuff. I, I agree oh. with Nick's dog. I am on Nick's dog's uh, team I can't there. I remember but, what Nick's uh, dog said, but anyway. <laughs> Nick's dog loved Fly. Uh, but anyways. You love Fly? Salamanca, Get off my show. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's not it's not essential viewing. I think that's where I agree with you guys on it. It is no way essential viewing. But for what it is, I appreciate what it is, you know? And I feel like if that was five years earlier in television, that episode would have been revered a lot more. And it, it still is in some ways. Uh, but uh, very good explanation about uh, you could fill Nick in on this too, or I guess you guys are done recording, so I'll fill him in. But great explanation <laughs> of you. what a bottle a bottle show is, which was very important for that episode. Uh, Tuco Salamanca, I'm definitely not on board with you guys in Breaking Bad. Uh, I found myself in season one just hating the Tuco character. And really? it's not the character. I, fa- I found Raymond Cruz so over the top. And it, it, looking back now, it was not his fault. It's it's the fact that everybody else on the show was so much more subtle. And he was going like big. He was going Al Pacino Scarface big. And I can appreciate it now in retrospect, having seen Better Call Saul, where there are a lot more over the top personalities uh, particularly Saul, and you kind of get what, when people dial it back how much more there is to it. But didn't love him in Breaking Bad, love him in Better Call Saul. Interesting. Oh, wow. Jeez, you like Fly and don't like Salamanca. Well, yeah, glad we didn't get you on that show. Um, just quickly, <laughs> so um, Maurice Compte, the third guy, also a Breaking Bad uh, actor. Oh, um, he played the fly. So he, he was the fly. Good job. Um <laughs> So in season four, when um, uh, Fring is sort of having his back and forth with the cartel, uh, and there's that the sort of the guy who, when they they take over that truck, and he's like eating the apple or whatever it is, and then he's like he's got the sniper on Gus when Gus like walks out and puts his hand up, and he's kind of like you know come on shoot me, like do you remember those? Do you remember that moment in Breaking Bad? Yeah, vaguely. So uh, Maurice Compte plays that guy. He's sort of the the cartel guy who's like, so good to see the 24 here have gotten two uh, future sort of Breaking Bad villains and Nick Offerman. Uh, If only Nick Offerman did Breaking Bad, it would have catapulted it. And Megan Mullally. They could have pulled that off. Um, So so a couple of things with the trivia for this. Uh, I mean, anything else to add that I haven't covered before I move on to the... I mean, again, this is this episode. <laughs> not a lot. There's a lot more going on the last week, but uh, I, I, I'll just reiterate. I, I actually do like the whole standoff we have at the end. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, when I mentioned before about uh, epinephrine, whatever it is, it, it actually so it is adrenaline. So I'm reading here according to the book that uh, otherwise known as adrenaline is a hormone and a neurotransmitter. It was isolated, identified. And I don't need to go into that detail. Um, so. 
It is commonly used to revive cardiac and arrest patients. The other drug referenced, Beroglide, is a fictional drug created by the writers for the torch. Ah, oh, well, there you go. I can't go get some Beroglide to, like, torture Colin for his dumb opinions. Um, <laughs> also, I appreciate You liked to- last week's episode of 24. You cannot yes. hold me liking Fly against me. The last week's episode is 10 times worse than anybody could see Fly as. You are so wrong. It is not funny. Um, <laughs> Ian, please back me up. Um, I do like this section here, though. So the, the we, here we are ripping into the unrealistic nature of this. So let's let's listen to uh, Howard Gordon explain some of this. So one of the most compelling arcs of the last third of the season was the introduction of the 25th Amendment storyline, which had President Palmer being tried by his cabinet to determine if he was fit to able to hold office. Uh, as it happened before, it was a storyline that wasn't part of the initial plans of the season. Executive producer Ooh. Howard Gordon admits... Oh no, desperation is a mother invention. We were at the place we found ourselves at least once and sometimes two or three times a season where we just had no idea what to do. <laughs> Fucking hell. We like, Come on, I'm watching this and I can hear 50 things to do and I'm just, you know, an idiot in Australia. Uh, we got really tired of chasing the nuclear bomb and its components. Yeah, so did we. Uh, from Moss to Warehouse to Bookie Joint and we got... You're writing this, Howard. Uh, and we got tired of writing it. In the wake of that fatigue, we came up with the idea of exploding the nuke and let's tell the story of retribution and now what the now what became the invoking of the 25th amendment against palmer we figured there must be a provision somewhere for a president who is mentally incapable of carrying out his duties and lo and behold there existed the 25th amendment of course it was accelerated beyond any realistic time frame you don't say but we tried to sell it as credibly as possible the 25th amendment was bent a little but the intent was there okay like again TV show's got a TV show. I completely understand that. Yes, if this was realistic, this would be like season seven of 24 before we get to the vote. Like, I understand that. And this is why we love this show, because it's entertaining. It's just when you've got two idiots like us ripping into it. But, like, I don't know how I feel about that when I always hear that we didn't know what to do. Like, again, I get a lot of TV shows do that. And, like, most say, like, you know, procedural shows, which are kind of you didn't really have this issue, I guess, 20 years ago when this wasn't a common thing, right? Like, it was very procedural. You didn't need a whole story arc like where today it's completely different. But mm-hmm. I would at least like to think, I would at least like to think that if I'm a, a writer or a producer or anything of 24 and I've got my season in plan, so like season two, the storyline will be Jack's got to stop a nuclear bomb. I'd at least like to think there's a dot point. Like, you could just come up with a part one, part two, part three. Part one, we search for the bomb. Part two, we find the bomb, the bomb goes off. Part three, we deal with the ramification. Like, that's just a simple dot point. And maybe that's mm. what they do. I don't know. But, like, the way sort of Howard says it, it's like, oh, yeah, we got to, like, episode 12 and the nuclear bomb was still trying to find us. What the fuck do we do now? Like, it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know well, how I feel about that. I, 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 kind of, I kind of follow what he's saying because season one was very different with them making mm. it up as they went along because they only knew for a fact we're going to get 13 episodes or 12 yeah. episodes, whatever it was. So when, and I mean, of course they probably had in the back of their minds, if we get picked up for another 24, let's, let's throw some ideas around, but they had to wrap things up. But this season, I would have thought it was the same thing. I mean, still to this day, TV shows, they don't necessarily get picked up for a full season. Even if you're returning for season two, three, four, they may say, oh, we're going to renew you for another season, but we're only guaranteeing, you know, the first 13 episodes or whatever. But him saying that they accelerated the nuke proves that they were picked up for a full season because it, it wasn't like, oh, we might not make it to the second half of the season. They knew they had that full season order and then moving that up. So, but, but that also makes me a little bit more forgiving of some of the foolishness in the second half of 24 uh, season two, because 
We also know we could have had this nuke dragged out the whole season. They reached a point where they said, let's get this over when done with because it's not working. And then we'll come up with something. So I'm a little bit more forgiving knowing now we have a real confirmation on that, that this wasn't the plan. The nuke was supposed to be all season. Um, it doesn't make it something that we would be less critical of because it is still bad writing. It's still a bad story, but they also didn't have the time, but it was also by their own choice. So yeah, kind of looking at it both sides, they shot themselves in the foot and at least they accept that and did the best with what they could. I just think there's a level. I mean, we talk a bit about on Breaking Bad about how, you know, season two was the only one that Vince Gilligan admits like he's planned from start to finish. The rest were similar to 24. Like he kind of not made it up as he went along, but it was written as he went along. But like, if you didn't know that, you wouldn't be able to tell. Like, because Breaking Bad's done in such a way where it just seems like this was the plan all along. It's when you have a season like this where it is clear as day. Like, even last season, we said there was lots of moments where, like, okay, it's clear that they're making this up all along. But I would argue season one, she's all over season two because besides a few moments here and there, it feels like a very, you know, planned out season. And for the most part, most seasons moving forward, I mean, we'll get to season five, obviously. And even next season, I feel, is, feels very planned out. Um, there's definitely not perfect. Again, no season of 24 is perfect, but yeah. So I don't know. It just, it just, this season very much did feels I, of that. Yeah. Seat of the pants. Did I just hear you did say you just, no season of 24 is perfect? I did. Are we forgetting season five exists? Well, I just mentioned season five, but there's still some stuff about season five that isn't great. Like, I mean. Oh, well, I'm oh, sure there will be, but oh, it feels wrong to say it. <laughs> it's season oh, five. Oh, <laughs> um, sad, Colin. <laughs> It's your birthday, <laughs> but like, which actually the by the time it's airing, it will be your birthday. So happy birthday! Oh, and and happy belated birthday to you! Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, did you get my Gordon Bombay figure? I said from last year yet. <laughs> it's actually in Australia right now. So did I tell you that it arrived? So that my dad messaged me like, "You got a parcel from a Colin Hill." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Of course, it arrives like a week after I leave. <laughs> Um, but I so, think it was even a full week. It was like four days or something. Yeah, so you, I do your have dad it. can do an unboxing video and send it to yeah. you. And that <laughs> I appreciate wow. my little Bay figure. Thank you, Colin. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, uh, but I, I want to say quickly on the 23rd Amendment storyline. Like, yeah, it is ridiculous how quickly this happens. Uh, but kind of teasing next week before we get to next week, having watched it, it doesn't quite play out as well as I remembered it. Like, I remembered. The, the 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 way that this storyline kind of comes to a close next week or at least comes to a head uh as being like my favorite thing of the entire season i still have things that i'm gonna poke holes in it for but it's it's way more satisfying than a lot of the other flying by the seat of our pants stuff that they've done in the second half of the season or even some of the flying by the seat of the pants stuff they did in season one i yeah i haven't watched next week's yet but i i remember it um do we get sherry back next week or is it the week after we get her back. We will briefly get her back next week. And then she'll, yeah, it, after that, become main character again. Because she's, like, revealed right at the end of the episode, isn't she? Like, Yeah, isn't she's, like, she's the like, cliffhanger next week. Yeah, okay. Spoiler alert for next week. But I'm just I'm just thinking, like, I know Sherry's due to return very, very soon. So, um, anyway, but uh, we'll come for Sherry next week. Uh, but we're not next week yet. Um, I'm binning this episode. I'm sorry. It's just... <laughs> the, just the Lynn stuff is just so stupid. And I just feel like it's just... <laughs> Do we get anything out of this episode? Like, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, your your complaint last week was that it was like, oh, it's just people telling us the same thing. But, like, I was so entertained with last week. Like, last week was entertaining. Whereas I just came out of this episode going, 
Okay, do we need that? Like, I mean, what advanced the plot? Grumpy Palmer, worried he's getting voted off the island. Jack's once again, like, in a perilous situation with somebody holding themselves up. There's a blonde woman with people after them. <laughs> um, and Michelle and Tony keep giving each other doomy eyes and Chappelle's in the room. So I, I just felt like nothing advanced anything this episode. Look, I have this as a lower rent. Um and I think I'll stand by that. It, like, I get completely what you're saying. Compared to last week, your opinion last week was, it's so bad, it's good. There's nothing in this week's episode that is so bad, it's good. There's also nothing in it that is so bad or, or so good that it's great. It's just adequately mediocre. It is, uh, it's the there. It is, the, it is the Oz <laughs> Network of 24 episodes. Uh, it is not winning any awards. It is not mentioned in the New York Times. Um, <laughs> it is our episode 20 of season two of 24 uh, of the Oz Network. But yeah, it's. Um, I, I still enjoy the Jack stuff this week compared to last. I think I just, what it is, I enjoy everything this week a little bit more than I enjoyed it last week. And there's nothing here that's groundbreaking. When I went through my rents, I mean, typically I'll kind of think like, Oh, I kind of remember this episode. It was worse than that. I kind of, I actually very carefully went through all the other rented episodes I have of this season to figure out accurately where this one lands. Uh, and it's not going to be my bottom rent. Um, I, I'll just say it now. I have this uh, for season two episodes uh, as my third lowest rent and my fourth lowest rent overall. So this is 29 out of 43 episodes for me. Uh, do you mean 44 episodes? Uh, I probably didn't finish adjusting my numbers. So let's say yes, 44. Because <laughs> this is episode 20. There were 24 last season. So if my maths are correct, that's uh, 44. But uh, God, Colin, get it right. Um, <laughs> I will have to find where I didn't change a number somewhere. So yes. Um, I have got this as my highest bin still. So I guess that's something. Um, so 38 for me. Uh, out of 44 episodes. Um, so, and this is my fourth lowest episode of season two. So there's still three season two episodes below this and three season one episodes below this. So um, there you go. That's from last week having a top 10 episode to this week having a bottom six episode. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Still hearing last week top 10. Like It won't be is- overall top 10, but it's great. You shut your mouth. That's like, let's just tell people your top five James Bond rankings include Die Another Day, License yep. to Kill, no, and Spectre. Die Another Day isn't in my top oh, five. Oh, sorry. Die Another Day means your top six. My apologies. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I got bumped down have, by No Time to Die. Yeah. In, in your top six James Bond movies, it includes Die Another Day, License to Kill, and Spectre. Yep. Uh, the only person in the world that would include any of those in their top six, let alone three. So, and yes. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm not. I am not, and I'm not okay with last week being. I'm not there, here to whatever. please you, Colin Hilding. I don't care about your. <laughs> but common, it's my birthday. <laughs> your common opinions. Follow the man. I don't. I follow Ben Waterworth's rules. Um, <laughs> they're the rules. I eat my steak. Well done. Um, I like my pasta bake. Uh, <laughs> shut up. Uh, <laughs> That's who I am. That's why I'm you single. Watch, um, still watch network television. <laughs> I watch Blue Bloods, Manifest, you know, listen to Madonna. Uh, <laughs> just stop it. Um, next week, yep, we talked about that. There's a board meeting. Um, and Kim's back Is next there week, ever? right? 
yeah, we, we get Kim next week. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much about next week. uh, Other than to say, like you said, there's a board meeting. Uh, I have never taken so many lopsided notes from one storyline to another. Uh, Hmm. My notes and, and and I'm covering what is existing in Jack's storyline and what is existing in the CTU storyline and Kim, but 75 to 80% of my notes are from Palmer storyline because that is the majority of the episode. And I don't think we've ever had it's so much in favor of one storyline, um, which you know is refreshing uh, when we are coming off of a season where they feel like they have to give Kim an equal amount of screen time as everybody else and Kate. I never thought I'd utter these words, but I'm actually looking forward to having Kim back next week. So <laughs> I'll probably regret that in a week's time. <laughs> so um, anyway, um, uh, Jennifer Garner month is happening shortly. April, yes. right? So get on board, Jennifer Garner. I know get those words Collins, that Collins always <laughs> wanted to hear. Um, and obviously Breaking Bad happening. Lost is returning, I believe, next month. So um, possibly got to work that out, but I think it will be. So get on board. Uh, and get on board. Choo-choo. <laughs> chew it up. Uh, see you on the trains. Uh, but, yeah, follow <laughs> us on all the, the platforms that you'll hear saying at the end. Listen to our other shows. They do well. Um, possibly yeah. find out in about a week. Maybe they See win awards. Maybe they don't. I don't know. We can't say um, until a week. Uh, but uh, tune in and do shit because that's what we like. Uh, my name is Ben, and what am I hearing in your voice? And my name is Colin. Good. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.